This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I am here with your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. Uh, I'm here with my co-host and friend, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. It is me. Good morning. We are coming to you um, from our uh, organization, New Memphis. We are a local nonprofit that is working to make Memphis magnetic for great leaders, uh, to help shape our future, our city's future for the better. Uh, so every week we have guests who are doing that work. They're out there in the Memphis community, making change, building the future we all want to see. And uh, this episode is no exception. Yeah. Christy, did you know that February is National Heart Month? I did know. Because, is it because you wrote these notes for me? Yes. No. <laughs> it's like I actually did know that just generically, but a lot of people don't realize that. It is. It's it's quite apropos given um, that we just celebrated Valentine's yes. Day yesterday. So this month is Heart Month, and so we have invited our friends over at the American Heart Association to come in and tell us both about uh, National Heart Month and what they've got going on, but just generally give us um, the rundown on both their education campaigns, how they are helping like literally save lives Um, and what challenges our community faces and what role, you know, the American Heart Association is one of those like massive global nonprofits that like most people have heard of, but understanding like what its local presence is and what what role it plays in the Memphis community is is so fascinating. And um, I learned a lot Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, was was re-motivated to, I don't know, like eat a little more salad and (laughs) take a walk this afternoon. Um, So we've got Libby Rittenauer. She's the communications and marketing director and Kate Staggs. She is the director um, for Go Red for Women, which is a kind of special initiative that's really focused on educating um, women about the threats of heart disease and knowing kind of how they uniquely experience that. So an excellent conversation. And then this is true. Like back to back jams today. Um, Continue the heart theme of love in Memphis. Exactly. Yeah, look, we have such a wonderful communications team here. I just sit down and I'm like, what? How did you guys put this together? Exactly. Um, so who is our second guest, Christy? Yeah. So guys, a little later, we will be joined by Kimberly Hooper Taylor. And she is not only a New Memphis graduate of our Embark program, but she serves as the director of education at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music which is a phenomenal organization you're going to hear all about if you happen to not, but they represent the heart and soul, quite literally, in Soulsville of Memphis. So again, this is just a great episode filled with literal hearts and emotional heart, and so I'm very excited to dive in. I love the theme. I'm giving, I'm, I'm, I'm sending a heart emoji to you right now. We Let's... all know I'm a goober for Valentine's Day, so this is like coming <laughs> Yesterday off. was a big day for Christy. It was a big Christy. day for me. <laughs> great. Well, let's jump into the episode. Let's go. Welcome to the studio, Libby and Kate. How are y'all? Great. Thank you for having us. We're so excited. Guys, I know you cannot see them. Do not worry. I will snap a picture and post it on our social channels. They came in in their bright, beautiful red, which (laughs) makes so much sense. Um, But since we have two guests today, I would love if you both took a moment to introduce yourself so the listeners know who's talking and when. Yeah, so my name's Libby Perry Ridenauer. I'm our communications director here in the Mid-South Market, and so I work with great partners like New Memphis and our local media and volunteers and survivors to tell the story of AHA, which is never the story of AHA, it's the story of survivors yeah. and of Memphians. And so that's why this is such a great partnership and we're looking forward to chatting with y'all today. 
Um, my name is Kate Sutherland Staggs, and I'm the Go Red for Women director. So I lead that uh, movement here in Memphis, which is absolutely um, a pleasure. Um, I work really closely with um, a lot of our leadership, which is done um, completely through volunteers. So um, work a lot uh, with leaders in our community as well as survivors. Um, so it is um, it's really um, empowering to be able to help women and empower them to take control of their health here in the community. I love that so much. It makes me very excited to have this conversation with you guys today um, because you are doing such important, crucial work, not just for our community, but worldwide, quite frankly. So let's just level set for those listening who may not know, maybe been living under a rock, you've just never seen the red. What is the American Heart Association and what is it that you guys do? Yeah, so the American Heart Association is um, one of the world's leading voluntary, voluntary health organizations. Um, we're, a prim- we're a science-based organization, and here we primarily fundraise. Um, but one thing that I like to say, as often as I get a chance to say it, uh, because not every city has this, um, can say this, but in Memphis, we actually fund more than what we raise. Oh, wow. So we typically raise um, a little bit shy of about $2 million a year, and throughout our grants, um, that are located at UTHSC, uh, I believe at U of M, and I bl- also believe at St. Jude. Um, and those those can change periodically because mm-hmm. some of them last longer than yeah, others. The cycle and, kind exactly, of yeah. But so generally, uh, for the past eight years, I think I've I've known that this is true that we actually fund um, a little bit over two million, and we raise just shy of it. So. Um, that's one thing that I, I like to say as often as I get a chance to, um, because yeah, not every city gets a chance to do that. And Memphis is such a philanthropic city. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, so the American Heart Association um, is the second leadest or is the largest funder of cardiovascular disease research outside of the federal wow. government. Um, and so because of research that we've been able to fund, we can um, identify strokes, we can administer those clot-busting drugs so that people can live longer, healthier lives. Um, and then here in the Mid-South, we work with our coworker Cherie Albrighton, who's our community impact director, and she works with providers and patients here in Memphis so that we can better serve our community. So that's what we do. Um, and then Kate leads our Go Red for Women movement, which is all about empowering women to take charge of their health. Um, and so, and it's it's Heart Month right now. And so, yes. the first Heart Month was established by Linda B. Johnson and his during his administration. And ever since then, it's been a staple on the American calendar. And so, we're just so excited to be able to share the message this month. Yeah. So I think that's I, I'm I'm so interested in this intersection of um, obviously uh, fundraising to make sure you can fuel these important research efforts. Um, But it's also married with this important education campaign to help people in our community understand what heart health is. So obviously for for women specifically, but I mean, I just I know that um, this is a huge issue in the Memphis community. And we are, you know, towards the bottom of the list when it comes to outcomes Mm -hmm. around cardiovascular health. So tell us about what those education efforts look like and like how that manifests in our community. Yeah, I can speak to that. Um, it, it can look like a lot of different things. Um, we really utilize our volunteers. We are um, having a group of honorees. Every year we honor a group of 20 women that are nominated for making an impact in their community. They actually kicked off last week. They're called Women of Impact. Um, they are a huge force in driving awareness to their networks because um, and as I was onboarding them, I was, you know, one thing I kept saying is knowledge is power when it comes mm-hmm. 
to this topic because if women don't know, or men for that matter, mm-hmm. don't know their risk, they don't know what to look out for, they don't know the importance of living a healthy lifestyle, and the vast majority of cardiovascular disease is preventable. Of course, there is a percentage that is genetic, um, but know your, knowing your family's mm-hmm. you know, risk um, is hugely important. But one thing that's scary um, to me is that 90% of women have a risk factor for mm-hmm. cardiovascular disease. That's in, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just educating women, it, like just them knowing is, is half the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like I mentioned, Women of Impact are doing a great job with that. Um, we um, we have our luncheon every year where, where we uh, talk a lot about our education there. But Go Red is not just a one day. It is a movement that we work on through the whole year. So Libby does a great job on our communications channels, and we really, really talk about that. We, we produce videos. Um, you know, she mentioned Sheree. We get out in the community. Um, health, health inequity is a huge mm. focus for us this year, and um, we're just – with our new impact goal for 2024, we're trying to remove barriers to health because there's so much disparity with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard your zip code can determine how mm-hmm. long you live. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're trying to tackle food deserts and, you know, things like that. Um, so so I know that's a long answer to your question. No, well, it's <laughs> there's, a big problem. So, there's a yeah. lot of different ways. I, I was, again, this is fresh on my mind because I just had – 19 different planning sessions with my women of impact to onboard them last year. So I've talked about this over and over, but um, you've got the problem at the top of this pyramid and there's so many causes to that problem. Right. So obviously research is trying to combat the problem at hand, but mm-hmm. we're also on the other side trying to solve the problem where it, where it originates. Mm-hmm. And, right. and there's just so many ways that that happens from stress to smoking to um, high blood pressure, to food deserts, to um, income disparities, um, the fact that going back to education, um, our black and Hispanic communities mm-hmm. are not only the, the most adversely affected with cardiovascular disease, mm-hmm. they're also the um, population that um, that's the least aware, mm-hmm. as well as our younger population, which mm-hmm. is scary as well. So mm-hmm. millennials, mm-hmm. that group and under um, is another big population we're trying to serve in terms of awareness. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, that's a great way to describe what we're doing here. And I'll, I'll just double click on that because I was thinking about specifically what are some tools that we do. Um, and really, one of the things that I love most about AHA is that, and working here in Memphis, is that if you see a problem, and like I realized in Binghampton, they're losing a grocery store. So and I'm drive, I drive down um, that street almost every day. I drive down summer and I thought to myself, okay, well, if I think of a, or not just me, but if anyone of our staff, if any of our of your listeners, or if any of our volunteers think of a creative solution to these real issues, if we can get it sponsored, we can get it happening. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of we, we do feel empowered, and um, there's a lot of creative problem solving that it takes um, that we can do. But one of the things that in particular that we've implemented that I think is great at the beginning of um, you know of, of Q1 because people set these New Year's resolutions and then. Oftentimes we forget about it or we don't really have all the tools at our disposal or, um, you know, we're really gung-ho the first week in January and then by, by this time we're like, what resolution? But, um, and really it shouldn't be just a resolution, you know, we should, these are, these are about creating healthy habits that last a lifetime. Um, but 30 Days of Heart is a program that we have, it's actually sponsored by Baptist Memorial Healthcare. And so it is a digital journal. It, we can't, can't actually print and have a physical journal, but in the times of COVID, it just makes more sense if we have it. And it's a free digital journal. And so you can go online, 30 Days of Heart slash Mid-South, 
and there's it's pages and pages of how you can make simple swaps and those simple steps because if you whether you're a heart patient yourself or if you want to avoid being a heart patient and you just look at and and you say you know I want to lose 30 pounds or I've got to lose 100 pounds that's that's daunting that's a big serious step and we don't always know all right well how do I get from A to B Um, and but so 30 days of heart can help you uh, get more physically active, help practice gratitude, um, make simple swaps to decrease your sugar-sweetened beverages, um, find creative ways to make sure you're adhering to your doctor's medi- medications, um, your prescriptions. So, But there, there's a couple simple s- solutions that mm-hmm. um, where we're just trying to meet folks where they are. Um, and my dad is uh, a heart attack survivor and has used tools like that. Um, he's actually will have um, his anniversary of his heart attack is uh, March 1st. So oh, it's wow. coming up just a couple of weeks away. So, but but he's talked, and that's also given me a, an added perspective of having um, a patient there in your family, and um, and just watching he and my mom have to have to make those adjustments in their lives. So, um, but it's it's really a powerful tool. Going back, I'm so sorry. Oh no, please. Going back to like you said, the education and the awareness side. Some statistics I find interesting. Um, currently across our platforms so um, obviously American Heart has its overall brand which is um, highly trusted because we're about to celebrate our 100th anniversary Mm -hmm. in 2024 so we've been around a while Um, but and then going down to the market level but one thing I found interesting so through all those platforms we reach millions of women uh, through those but the statistic I found most interesting is 95% of women who interact with Go Red in some fashion that could be a lot of different things um, report making healthier choices, Re- mm-hmm. report taking action, I guess is the best mm-hmm. way to put that. Mm-hmm. That can vary greatly. That can be choosing a salad over fries one day, or it can be quitting smoking, like mm-hmm. it, in everything in between. So obviously it's working. It's just getting that information to the people and kind of letting them, you know, take that and use those resources to to mold that to their own lives. Well, one thing that I love about y'all's strategy is you mentioned that your father is a heart attack survivor and the motivation that having that sort of personal con- and I think you know most people do know somebody in their life oh, who's yes. been impacted um, whether by a heart attack or other heart disease and um, you guys do such a beautiful and compelling job of packaging these very personal stories and really helping it just it takes what you know we all know like eat better mm-hmm. move more like don't don't do these things that are bad for you like smoking right um, but to have you know these personal stories and narratives of people who did make significant changes who um you know learn something that you can benefit from i don't know it really like makes it real to me and right. i think that's one thing that um you know i love that sort of key to how you guys do your work that it's about survivors um, and it's about their stories, and you use them to motivate and educate others. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Well, that's so validating for us because that's mm-hmm. the difference maker. I mean, that's the difference maker as for us as consumers of news. And uh, I mean, we're all storytellers mm-hmm. too. I mean, we're all we're all. I mean, I, I you know I probably should talk about my dad and his story more, but I didn't wake up today thinking yes. I've got to talk about this this morning with New Memphis. But but when you're sitting down talking and sharing stories, it comes up. So well, you're absolutely right. I mean. Studies have recently shown that nearly half of Americans, about 48%, have some form of heart disease. And we know that that number has to go up when you when you talk about the South, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and another study that recently came out, um, I think this past, this past month, shows that one out of two black and Hispanic Americans have cardiovascular disease. 
And that is totally unacceptable. Um, and that just speaks volumes to the work that we have in Memphis. Um, but it also, I mean, we get up every day fired up and gung-ho and excited about the volunteers that we have on our side and, and the, the media and the storytellers and the Memphians who, um, who won't be stopped. So it's a, it's a big problem, but we've got, we've got big solutions. Yeah, I really love that y'all have come up with this whole process of talking and getting those things out there. And I think it's really interesting. And one of you spoke to it earlier. There are a lot is a lot of heart disease that's preventable. There are also genetic factors that come into play that you have no choice. And I think right. so often mm -hmm. when we have these conversations, people hear heart disease and they're like, oh, I did something wrong. Right. I des not deserved this, but I did right. this to myself. That is not necessarily always the case. There right. are choices you can make, but there are factors beyond our control, whether that be, mm -hmm. you know, you live, the inequities, just you got to hit the genetic lottery. Yes. Um, so I think in terms of spreading awareness, and you guys are on now, I think it's really important to ask you, what are the warning signs people should be looking for yeah. as they, you know, maybe wondering about their heart health mm -hmm. yeah well I'm gonna let me first answer about stroke health because yeah. uh, that's top of mind and then we've got some the mm -hmm. some heart attack warning signs yeah you've got oh, that right that's where that's in right. your thumb right there this is where I'm gonna start uh Whenever I read about warning signs, I'm like, yep, I have that. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, yeah we're all I'll like speak that. back yeah. to that in a second. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead, Libby. Yeah, you take heart and I'll take stroke. So, um, so yeah, when you think about um, stroke, which is so scary, um, we have a great um, an incredible survivor honoree last year, um, Ashante Coleman. She's a nurse. She is um, a mom. She lives in Carterville. She's actually a doctorate now. Mm -hmm. And she's a woman of impact. And she's year. a woman of impact, yeah. So she's incredible. She was our survivor honoree last year. Um, had two strokes before the age of 40. Wow. Um, and so, but she is such a, a trooper. She's truly a hero. She was, um, she had her stroke and recovered. And then um, at the beginning part of COVID, she was um, doing COVID testing at Tiger Lane. And then she, after that, she began administering vaccines. So she's still putting herself at increased risk, trying to serve her community. So just such a, a you know, heart of a warrior right there, but she's amazing. But when I think of her story, I think about those, you know, the, the warning signs of stroke. And so when you think of that, think fast. So F for face drooping, A for arm weakness, S for slurred speech, T for time to call 911 because we know time is brain mm -hmm. and the longer you wait the longer you lose yeah. so um, so face drooping arm weakness slurred speech time to call 911 those are those classic symptoms of stroke um, and they can happen to anyone I mean she was when you hear her tell her story she had just lost 30 pounds she had just gotten off the treadmill because she was working out and was talking with her husband and then her husband noticed you're you're not really sounding like my wife. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, it sounds like you're, mm -hmm. you got like a mouthful of marbles. And then um, she actually called 911. Um, but so, and she has wow. an incredible um, story about, about disparity as well. Mm -hmm. um, Cause when she was having her second stroke, you know, again, she, she's a stroke survivor. So she knows what to look for. Uh, and she's a healthcare provider herself. Yeah. So she knows this. So she went to a hospital and they pretty much just turned her away yeah. and said, we don't have criteria to, to keep you. And she knew, no, you have something's to start. Yeah, something's yeah. wrong. So she wound up going to another hospital and they said, you're being admitted for emergency surgery. You've got a tear in your carotid artery and you're having oh. another stroke. So, um, but when I, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, Kate and I just get so 
excited about when we think of how we can raise awareness and address this. Because I think about, you know, a lot of us don't have that kind of training. And a lot of us don't want to be troublemakers. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't want to be that annoying woman who's, you know, just, but really it's the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we all have to, we have to know the signs and symptoms and then encourage everyone to speak up and advocate for themselves. For sure. I think as women too, this is what I always find so fascinating is we are very much grin and bear it yep. a lot. And we know something's wrong, but we're like, oh, just shrug it off. Like I'll go through my day. Oh yeah. And we don't have time to have a heart attack. I I don't have time to be inconvenienced Mm -hmm. by this. But like, it's very much true. So I think being so, guys, if you're listening, listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Your body is not leading you astray. And the worst thing could be that you went to the hospital and you're wrong. Right, right. But what if you're right? Exactly, exactly. And one thing I'll let Kate talk about the um, signs and symptoms of a heart attack. But I know one thing that sets women apart, because sometimes they can present differently in men and women. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that is often found in women experiencing heart attacks or a heart event is nausea. And how many times do we explain away nausea? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, what, I mean, so. Flu-like symptoms Flu-like symptoms, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so go ahead, sorry. No, no, you're fine. Unfortunately, with heart attack, it, there's a long list of things okay. that it could be. Stroke seems to be seems to kind of That's fall why I took very closely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can easy one with fast. But um, with heart attack it, in Hollywood, has perpetuated this. But mm-hmm. you think it's an old man's disease, mm-hmm. yeah, old right. white man's disease, yes, is right. what you think of when you think of heart attack. Sudden arm grab, yep. 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 arm grab, the clutching chest, the chest, yeah. very Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It could look like that. Yeah. Very often you get some warning signs before that happens, um, or even you don't get that at all. Um, Libby mentioned nausea, um, the flu-like symptoms, which I know all the women are like, great, you know, I'm going to freak out every time I have that. But I got my cheat sheet here because there are so many. But uh, chest discomfort is pretty typical, um, but not all the time. So it may feel like pressure, squeezing, fullness, um, or actual pain. Um, discomfort in other areas of the upper body. So this is something I've heard from a lot of different people. Upper shoulder, mm-hmm. back pain, um, jaw stiffness, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, that is actually, I've heard that a lot from people. Um, mm-hmm. Shortness of breath, and that can be with or without chest discomfort. And then other signs, breaking out into a cold sweat. They mentioned nausea or, vo- nausea or vomiting or lightheadedness. So obviously that's a long list of, of things. So just to have to, you know, be aware of that is 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 huge. Um, and then to get help for it. And like mm-hmm. Libby said, like if the worst case you go and it's nothing or you had said that worst case, you know, you go and it's nothing. Yeah. Um, but um, a big also thing to look out for is uh, if you're a new mom, mm-hmm. uh, maternal death from um, cardiovascular disease is extremely high. Um, so, it, it you know, to put it plainly, it, a lot of new moms die from it. And so. Right when you're home from the hospital, you know, listen to your body, listen to your doctors, know what you need to be looking for. I'm a great example of that. I gave birth to our second son in November, and the day I was discharged at 2 a.m., I was having, I couldn't breathe well, and um, there was just a lot of signs it could be a blood clot, and so... I, like you said, I was like, I don't want to go. They're going to think I'm crazy. I was just there for 48 hours. I'm about to show back up to the ER. But I called my doctor and she said to go and ended up getting all these tests run. And I'd had a C-section, so it ended up being like trapped air. So something common. But 
I'm glad I went. Mm-hmm. Like it, I mean, something like that could have killed me. It's and peace then of mind too, having a new mm-hmm. baby, right? All of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so, you know, the minute I got there, it made me feel more confident in my decision because they hooked me up to an EKG and were like, "All right," yep. like I'd barely <laughs> hit the bed, and they were checking stuff. So it's like advocating for yourself. Don't think that, you know, because the you don't want to not do anything, and then your child. Mm-hmm lose their mom Mm -hmm. so I think it's just such an important conversation to be having because as I hear us all talk about these things we've each been touched by it in a different way and it's a it's one of those diseases that age is not a variable Mm -hmm. I mean let's get real personal even though I get nervous Mm -hmm. like I am on the smaller percentage of that. I have a genetic heart disease called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Mm. Um, I've had to have open heart surgery when I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, 23, sorry. Wow. Losing track of time because I'm mm-hmm. getting old now. <laughs> but I was 23, um, and I had it right after my 23rd birthday. Wow. Like, wow. it's one of those things where it's. I was really young. I was 17 when I got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that age is not a barrier. Where right. you live is not a barrier. It does not care who you are it mm-hmm. will find you and again mine's genetic some is more environmental mm-hmm. factors but it's right. like if you know the signs if you know what to look for mm-hmm. I was having symptoms for a whole long time before that really and just shrugging them off mm-hmm. because again I was a teenage girl right. at that time yeah I don't have heart disease yeah. yeah I'm like oh I'm dancing and my legs are shaking all over the place I'm just tired yeah like that kind of thing so if you it's so important to me to these lovely women who are here today that if you feel as something is wrong, please do not hesitate to go get checked out. Mm-hmm. And I know there are other factors like insurance, mm-hmm. co-pays, mm-hmm. those things. I love that you guys are really looking into those root issues to try and break down those barriers. Because mm-hmm. I think it's just one of those things that it sneaks up on you. And yeah. if it's preventable, let's try to work to prevent it. Right. So. Exactly. Amen. I mean, and thank you for sharing that. I yeah. Mean, I'm like, I always get a little nervous because I'm like, I don't talk about it out loud that often. Yeah. <laughs> But, but, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, you did because you know that it helps people. Yeah. And, I mean, we a lot of the work that we do um, is with CHD families. And they say consistently, you know, just hearing about someone else's diagnosis gives them so much yeah. peace and comfort. Saying, like, all right, well, I know she's, she's you know, killing it at New Memphis. She's got a great, you know, situation. I, I've, if she can do it, I can do it, mm-hmm. you know. So, but that's but. Um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy actually occurs in one out of 250 births. So uh, cardiovascular disease, heart defects are one of the most common heart defects. I, I think they are mm-hmm. the most common birth defects, mm-hmm. um, affecting about 40,000 births a year, one in 100. But your specifically, it was one out of 250. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And it's so interesting to me that you were diagnosed when you were 17. Um, so because of AHA research, um, and advocacy in Nashville, Tennessee has actually passed a law so that mm-hmm. every baby born in a hospital oh, wow. in Tennessee is screened for heart defects before they leave the hospital. That. So that to give those parents mm-hmm. you know, finding peace it of early. mind and yeah, if you find it early, then you know maybe we could do some small surgery yeah. and, and make those adjustments so that you can grow into it. Um, but yeah, we've got some great partners at um, La Bonner who are great partners of ours and just love sharing stories about how they've Another story that I love telling is Dr. Mary McDonald, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. Um, a, a wonderful Memphian, and she's a great volunteer of ours. And she actually had a heart defect when she was born, but it went undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. And um, she actually, but it caused her to have a stroke in her 60s. 
And because she has a teeny tiny little hole in her heart, or she had, and then so the blood clot passed through that and caused her to have a stroke. And so they went in and identified, okay, well, you, you must have an undiagnosed CHD. And so she went to Le Bonner, and it, I think it was Dr. Rush Waller who mm-hmm. um, just did a, like a, kind of a standard CHD surgery that they normally do on pediatric patients. And I remember her telling us as she was sharing her survivor story, she said, I looked at him and was like, <laughs> so you're... You're, you normally perform this on patient, uh-huh. on like pediatric patients, but you're going to do this on me in my 60s? And he said, you know, if I can do this on hearts the size of an acorn, I can do it on yours. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, but yeah, just it's a wonder about how, how much science and technology has progressed and mm-hmm. we can have so much better hope. Yeah, and um, it's, it's amazing, like the smallest thing can lead to a bigger discovery, which right. I think is cool. Like the whole reason I got diagnosed is they found a heart murmur. My general practitioner was like, it sounds like you have a little bit of a murmur. And then it just led to a whole whole flood of discovery that I was not prepared for at 17 right. years old. Right. But I, I just think to your point, like those stories and sharing them, I'm trying to get more comfortable at sharing mine in a more public way because to your point, people just feel better when mm-hmm. they hear someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. So. I love this so much. Is there anything, I know we're in heart month, anything exciting on the horizon coming up for AHA? What's going on? Well, you know, we've got our heart ball, which is our black tie mm-hmm. gala. Um, we're in the late 40s of, of years, so we've been doing this for a long time. It's always at the Peabody. Um, it is this Saturday, February 19th. It's a night of Memphis heart and soul, and so we'll, we have Party Planet there. Um, if you want to get involved, if you want to see if we've got any tables or tickets available, heart.org slash midsouth. Um, and of course, please follow us for yeah. um, what's happening in the Memphis community. And we, we share healthy recipes and tips and you know pictures of what we're doing. We'll share a picture of this. Um, but on AHA Tennessee, is, that's where we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Awesome. Or AHA Tennessee, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so much. This was um, both like enlightening and scary and yeah. exciting. So <laughs> feeling all the emotions. Right. It's wonderful to see you guys. Um, again, that's heart.org slash mid south thank you perfect well thank you guys so much for being with us thanks bye hello kimberly welcome to the studio hello good morning thank you guys so much for having me i'm so glad you're happy to have you this is going to be such a fun conversation because you work for the amazing memphis institution that is stacks um but before we jump in Uh to that and all the work you lead because of course we have a ton of questions okay. want to learn a little bit more about you and how you came to be you and in this line of work okay absolutely um i am a memphian through and through born here raised here i went to school in chattanooga um when i graduated um memphis was becoming what they called ground zero for education reform mm-hmm. so teach memphis was they hired me first. <laughs> and so I was hired as an elementary school teacher here. Oh, I taught wow. at a few schools. I taught at one of the first iZone schools. And then um, eventually um, got my educational leadership um, degree from Christian Brothers and um, wanted something different. Um, the cool thing is I interned when I was in college at the um, Tennessee Aquarium. And so I always kind of had like a small passion for like teaching outside of the classroom. Yes. And so I stumbled upon a job at the Stacks Museum um, for youth and education <laughs> manager and um I was hired, yeah. so like, um, <laughs> the rest is kind of history, <laughs> and I've been there since. I've been there since 2017, January 20, yeah. 2017, yeah. What so. a cool way to <laughs> just, like, it's like aquarium here, and I'm like, what a nice trajectory, and I, the reason I love your trajectory so much mm-hmm. and just how you just spoke about it mm-hmm. is because in the work we do here with Collegians Launch, 
what I try to stress when I talk to any college student Mm -hmm. or person embarking on their career, that road does not have to be linear. At all. all. And the thing is, the internship that I did wasn't even required because as teachers, you only have to student teach. So I was branching out and just doing something different. um, And it kind of it worked out in the future. Like you never know. And now she's at the amazing, amazing stacks. I am. So for those who are listening who, you know, just may not have heard, which would be shocking because I think we (laughs) stacks is like a world thing. It would not be shocking. Believe it or not. I know. I I like to to think positively. Like everybody should know. But again, Mm -hmm. we recognize that some people listening Mm -hmm. may not. So let's start bare bones. All right. What is Stax? Um, Stax Museum, as it exists, um, sits on the hallowed ground of where the Stax Record Company existed. Um, From 1960 to 1975, Jim Stewart was a banker and fiddle player. He was inspired by Sam Phillips over at Sun Studio. He wanted to get into the business of making music. He kind of opened his doors over in the old South Memphis, and people just kind of came. I mean, you had the Foot Homes projects. You had all these amazing, talented young people, 16, 17-year-olds who were just coming to the studio and just kind of making something happen. And what was created was what we know today as the Memphis Soul Sound um, because they were given this wonderful opportunity um, by this by this man and his, and his sister, Estelle Exton. Um, and the rest is kind of history, but it's an amazing history that we don't always right. know about and or embrace. I think we look at it in 2022 and go, oh, what amazing things happened. But as it was happening, uh-huh. you didn't quite know. Um, and you can you can hear a lot about it when we um, talk about the switch in leadership after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And how the company kind of pivoted and started to go uh, more for the social um, justice community mm-hmm. engagement type. And so you see the artists kind of change and the message music started to kind of come out and what they were involved in and just some of the accolades, even who came to the forefront, Isaac Hayes and his, all of his glory. I, mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to explain Isaac Hayes. It, yeah. um, it's like he just is. He, he it, just... Like you, you don't even know how yeah. to really describe it. Um, and so when people kind of come to the museum as it is today, you it's almost a, it's a very wow you mm-hmm. know and it was a wow for me because I didn't grow up in on 70s music yeah I grew up on 90s music like um anybody else born in the 80s and so it's amazing to just see how the groundwork was laid but not just laid but that it was laid here in Memphis like mm-hmm. the way in which we can embrace our city um and that we don't always but the way in which we can embrace our city is just such a beautiful thing to know that so much happened and that we can still be a part of it so that's stacks in a nutshell. That was an amazing <laughs> nutshell. I'm very impressed with how you just were able to condense the magnitude that is stacks into like a beautiful little like, like 50 like, years and <laughs> like five seconds. Well, so the museum obviously captures and tells the story of the history of yes. uh, Stax Records and mm-hmm. the impact that it had mm-hmm. on not just this community, but you know, globally. music globally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you as the director of education have a really interesting role that I want to hear about, which is you're not necessarily just talking about the history you are getting to engage with and educate, I assume, mostly kids yes. today. So tell us, what what does your programming look like, and, and what do you do? Goodness gracious, what do I do? A little <laughs> yeah, bit of everything. Like, a little bit of everything. play by play of your day. All right, because it's going to be a – let's sit here for a second. Okay, so as director of education, um, let's just start with the, the mission. Yes. Um, so we pretty much preserve the legacy of Stax Records and its influences – um, internationally, but also to really, really um, highlight the impact that was stacks. Um, and so I really, really try to hone in on that as a director of education. So any programs where we started in 20, let's, let me start from the very beginning. Before I came to into this position, it didn't exist. So there was not a formal education, anything yeah. for students. So students for years had been coming to the museum just kind of going through. 
Um, and so the first thing we wanted to do was um, create some sort of guided tour option for, for young people, or at least somebody talking to them yeah. about something, <laughs> um, because we wanted them to not just, you know, it's a lot of content, it's very content heavy, um, and if you don't stop and read, you'll really miss a lot of it, and so we really wanted to capture that, so we introduced a guided tour program that utilized Stacks Music Academy alum to kind of t- help tell the story, and at the very end, those same alumni could also help to um, influence or encourage those young people to join the music academy because we want this whole program to continue to keep going. Um, so that was really, really successful until, of course, pandemic. <laughs> and we all had scratch. Now, right, and then like, oh, okay, no more. Um, but we were also able to continue our other programs, of course. We do summer programs. We had a summer camp that started the year before I got there um, that used high school students allowed them to help with the storytelling but also to kind of capture a lot of the history um, through um, interviews and they created a walking tour they created their own exhibit they were doing so many things and the beautiful part is we were able to pay them so unlike any other camp in Memphis we were providing a paid opportunity to high school students to do the work Um, and so they could really appreciate the history as well and so I'm a part of that we did um, like some artist in residence type of stuff with Cameron Whalum a while oh, back. Yeah. So he was able to do some programs. And if you don't know who Cameron Whalum is, <laughs> please just check out Bruno <laughs> Mars and Silk Sonic. Um, he's definitely dancing in the background. Um, but for now, we do our virtual tour programs because that's pretty much what we right. have. And we try to really continue to keep um, something for students. But also now we're kind of really really bringing in the community because we are free on Tuesdays from 1 to 5 everybody doesn't know but 1 to 5 is a challenge for a lot of people because how do you get your kids there when you're getting out of school at 3 o'clock and Mm -hmm. so we're opening family days this year every second Saturday so that we can give parents an opportunity to engage with with their kids um, at the Stacks Museum so that's a lot of what I'm working on. No, that's no. fantastic. That's exactly <laughs> what we needed to hear. That it's both uh, capturing, again, the history and sharing that with kids, but also really encouraging mm-hmm. them to actively be creative yes. and to, to be artists themselves. I and my that. biggest, biggest, my challenge to myself is always to kind of bridge these intergenerational gaps mm-hmm. because, of course, grandma's going to come and she loves this music. <laughs> but what happens when um, my five-year-old is walking through here and has zero, like, and he's looking at the wall and he's like, look at those CDs. And we're like, those are 45s, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and this, you know, this disconnect but it's allowing those connections to happen and happen organically through our program Mm -hmm. so that's what we try to do very cool that's just stacks is so fascinating to me in general because i remember i was fairly new to memphis and i've been here for a hot second Uh everyone's heard me on this podcast like i've been here for like a decade now Uh but like my first trip to stacks i was probably like that five-year-old like oh my gosh like (laughs) i'm amazed and i do like that kind of Mm -hmm. music and stuff but it's just an experience when you walk in and i love how the work you're doing is bringing the youth into it to get a broader yes. understanding. Mm-hmm. And then you guys also have the academy. Like, yes. y'all do a lot over there. <laughs> yes, in um, the charter school, too. We're, yes. So we're th- what most, most people don't understand is that we are three separate entities on yeah. the same campus. So when I go, oh, yeah, I work at Stacks, they go, oh, my gosh, I have a kid that goes there. You're like, not that one. No, really. <laughs> yeah, so you have to kind of, like, clean it up a yeah. little bit. But if you look at it as there's a, a college preparatory high school, 6th through 12th grade, and there's a think of it as like an after school summer music mm-hmm. experience at the music academy. And then you think of us as a museum, you'd kind of be able to kind of put them in their own yeah. boxes. So. I think that's I'm so happy you made that distinction because <laughs> that was going to be a question to ask because I do mm-hmm. think people hear stacks and they're like, oh, this mm-hmm. one part It's like, no, they're like an entity yes. of different works. Well, and yes. wonderfully, when you drive into Soulsville today, yes. there there is so much happening. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it is easy to go, OK, I guess this is all one thing, but it isn't. It's, it's, <laughs> it is. So tell us a little bit about how you and your role and how the Stacks Museum in general 
collaborates with and is sort of a part of this fabric of arts and culture programming, yes. youth programming, yes. community redevelopment. Tell us what those priorities are. All of those things. Little uh, things. Okay. <laughs> um, Small questions. Yes. Very, okay. That was, a great, that was a great question. Um, so the Stacks Museum, so back to the mission. So we think it's preserving the legacy, but it's also educating the next generation and also inspiring. So if you put us all, we call it pie, if you put us <laughs> in the preservation here at the museum, you'd put the charter school in educating and you'd put the music academy in inspiring. And together, we all do a little bit of that in mm-hmm. our respective organizations, but one of us may highlight one more right. than the other. Um, what's really cool is we just launched our Black History Month virtual tour mm-hmm. on the first, the museum did. Um, um, and the way in which we work together, there are activities that are related direct, directly related to the virtual tour that you'll watch. And the Music Academy is launching their concert. They've been doing this for years. That will launch on the 15th. So you kind of get a chance to kind of see us all, <laughs> all the time, <laughs> um, working. Um, you may not know that we're working together because it may look like two separate pieces. Right. But take your time. If you watch this tour and get a little bit of history, you'll watch this concert and be inspired. So the mission kind of, you know, it's it just goes through. It just weaves through the whole time. Um, and that's kind of the amazing part about what I what I get to do. Yeah. I don't even know if I answered your whole question. but No, I, I mean, I, that's, I, it's one, you sound like you have a really fun job. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, um, um, how do we, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not going to hire But no, I, I, I'm so excited over the last, I guess, I mean, it feels like it's been like 10 years. When? Did, well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. When was, I know the museum predated the school. Is that accurate? Maybe I shouldn't say things I yes, know. Yes, it I predates the school. Okay. What is the timeline? Like, <laughs> I can tell you the timeline. The um, Music Academy started in 2000 on our campus in okay. 2002. It was the first thing built on the campus. Okay. The museum, 2003. Okay. The charter school was piloted in 2005 and opened on the campus in 2008. Talk about a busy early 2000s. I know, it was busy. Like- <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of the order. Oh, so cool. the Music Academy turned um, 20, and then the museum, the museum will be turning 20 in 2023. And I know Anna touched on this a little bit, and you have as well. Like, it's located in the amazing Soulsville it is. area of Memphis. And I know you dedicate a lot of time being involved in community work through, yes. like, the Soulsville Neighborhood Association, yes. the Soulsville Foundation. And so while we have you here, I really want to hear what you believe is most needed in our community currently in the terms of what is Memphis doing really well and where do we have a ways to go? I know, big one. It's a big one for the recording morning. Also, like- please solve those problems. Yeah. <laughs> You've got five minutes. Go. Goodness gracious. Cue okay, what are we music. doing well? I call Memphis the land of opportunity in spite of the obstacles. That's literally Love what that. I call it. Um, I refer to myself as a Memphis millennial through and through. Um, and I believe in blending like the arts and academics. And I think a lot of people do. I think there are a lot of amazing programs in the works, but also a lot for young adults to kind of get involved in. Maybe not so much for children. Right. And you see it because there's just so much idle time. And so when I think of what we could probably do better, um, we like to, this is me now talking. Yes. Um, we like to create things because we're just a creative. This is just a, a city of creation. Yes. But sometimes those things are already there or those resources are already there. Or the community has been trying so mm-hmm. hard. We really have to figure out how to collaborate better. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes people want to be the first mm-hmm. um, to kind of the detriment of what could happen. Like, I think there's so much potential. But because somebody wants to be the first, they don't always you know, make the necessary connections to just do it really well together. 
Um, that's my that's my mm-hmm. big opinion there on what we could probably do better as a as I a, as a wholeheartedly city. agree with that, especially working in the nonprofit space specifically. Nonprofits are hard. <laughs> nonprofit like there's so many people again, mm-hmm. Memphis is just a great city of mm-hmm. helpers, like mm-hmm. wanting to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people doing work, it's so important for us, crucially important, to I will say, to communicate mm-hmm. and be like, Okay, if you exist here and you exist here, we're mm-hmm. doing similar work who's doing what the best and yes. is that the lane we should focus the most mm-hmm. on and so to hear you kind of say that I'm like like I wish I had just like a retweet <laughs> button like yes like maybe it's a non-profit in us is that what it I is so okay, we're just here to try speaking. and solve the world's That's issues what is. is what's happening but thank you so much for tackling that like mm-hmm. I thought it was very important because the work you do I mean you are in the thick of the community it's hard and I even think about even the role that I'm in so when I think of where I work on the campus in which I work I said my position is the youngest and we're all educating students in some way but mine is the job that just started when I started so it has been a challenge because people have to know that this exists if you came to visit the museum in you know 2007 you're like oh I was there a long time ago when I got that thing you know you're like yeah it's a little different now a little (laughs) more structured you know and you have to kind of explain it a lot and so it's been a little bit of a challenge um, but I mean we're five years in so people have started to kind of figure Mm -hmm. out this is what we do and so you know platforms like this and we are in a lot of news broadcasts and such we're able to continue to tell the story so that at least Memphians know um, one of the one of my favorite or best accomplishments since I've been there is we've been able to really really bring in the city um, and so when I think of school children and the number that were of number of kids that were uh, coming to the museum prior to me coming and when I started we're about between five and seven thousand kids now wow coming each year and Stacks is not one of those uh, museums where people get memberships in their right. kids. that's a children's <laughs> museum that's the zoo and so to have that from the community that's really important mm-hmm. it means a lot that you know, we're really, really capturing, you know, Shelby County Schools, Memphis, Shelby County, and the residents um, from Northwest Mississippi really coming into the museum. And so that's been a really great accomplishment of mine since I've been there. Well, for anybody listening who either has kids that they want to expose to the Stacks Museum or works for an educational institution and mm-hmm. wants to get involved, how can they learn more and, and get engaged? Absolutely. StacksMuseum.com um, <laughs> is the best way um, to, to follow us or to find out what's happening. We try to update that thing, um, get on our <laughs> newsletter, um, because um, our communications um, team does an amazing job of sending out these e-blasts that kind of highlights and details everything that's going on especially on the campus, because you don't want to know just what's going on at the museum. You want to know what's happening with the Music Academy and how you can truly, truly get your kids involved after school. So all those ways are important, but you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We're there. (laughs) You have a big presence to keep up with all these things you do. (laughs) (laughs) And still telling the history. Yes. I think something else I want to touch on a little bit before Mm -hmm. you leave is you are in this new, well, it's not a new position, but like the position itself was newer. Uh Um, But you were a graduate of our Embark program as well. So a little applause all around. (laughs) Shameless Um, plug. Yes, but (laughs) as you're like going into position, this newer position that was created at this museum, like talk a little bit, what did you learn from your leadership development experience that helped prepare you for that? Okay, so let me just tell you, <laughs> I graduated from the Tuesday cohort in 2006, fall of 2016 of New Memphis Embarks program. Um, I interviewed for this position that Thursday. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> I, did not I got married. I got married that Friday. That was the busiest week of my life. <laughs> um, so this program. You heard it here. If you do embark, you get a new exactly. job and you get a husband. You get a husband. <laughs> Shameless plug. Okay, so um, this program was really, really great. It was great for me. It was great for me as a Memphian. 
Um, and I know a lot of people will move here and join the program, which is amazing too. But for those of us who grew up here, you don't always see the assets of the community. Mm-hmm. You don't always see the benefits of where you grew up. You just don't know. And I went to college in another city. So to come back here and have a program like New Memphis say, okay, not only are we going to expose you to what's around you, we're going to let you have these classes in these different uh, organizations. And so I was able to kind of see what was happening in real time, yeah. um, meeting these amazing community leaders who were kind of pouring into us. I felt way more equipped to go out and sit in a job interview and feel like I had the necessary connections. And then one of the most beautiful parts is seeing the people that I graduated with also working in their respective industries, coming to do business, you know, whether it's a hosting an event or I just see them at some sort of networking function. Um, and like, and it's almost like, you know, it's a nod to like, I see you, you know, yeah. I, you're here and um, we're still here trying to do the good work in the city. Um, and I, I couldn't be more proud to you know to be a Memphis a new Memphis graduate so oh, that's, that made well, my heart we so didn't even happy. have to care to say it but she did such a good job I just think that's such a beautiful testament to something I like to say a lot I know I work on the marketing communications team so mm-hmm. you know but I, what I do like to say is every room you walk in like until I started working at New Memphis I did not realize those connections I was mm-hmm. making every room I walk in there's at least one new fan there's there like there's somebody that's graduated a program came to mm-hmm. an event like it's very interesting but the coolest part about that's not even that you know people mm-hmm. it's that you know what these people are impacting in the greater yes. community yes. so just like you you're an amazing Embark graduate I did not realize that it was that close I knew it intersected a little bit when you got the position in that mm-hmm. but I did not know it was literally same the same, same week, week. <laughs> so look again you heard it here first like they said you want a husband a new job no, no, this is it. a spouse of any kind we will figure it out <laughs> but thank you so much for being here with thank us y'all. before you leave Mm-hmm. I'm introducing a new thing. I'm trying to find the perfect question. I feel like we need, this is Meanwhile in Memphis. We've got to ask a Memphis-centric question at the end of every okay, episode. Okay, let's do it. So, I actually have two for you. Okay. One is based on the nature of your work, so I'm going to save that one for last. Okay. But first, you are born, raised Memphian. What does being a Memphian mean to you? Little uh, Easy question. Yeah. Easy, so easy. Simple. What does being a Memphian mean to me? I feel very pageanty now. Um, <laughs> being a Memphian means I understand that we have a storied history, but I recognize that it is that history that is kind of fueling my future. It is um, shaping my perspective of this city. I could have a very blurry lens of this community and, you know, what's around me or I can see beyond it. I refer to this as a land of op- of opportunity in spite of the obstacles. I mean that. I live by that. Um, so being a Memphian means I am committed to doing the work um, so that we can have a brighter future, whether just for me, but also for my I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. It's for them. Mm-hmm. And so we stay here and we're committed to this. Whatever those causes are, we are doing the we're doing the good work. I don't even want to ask the second question so because sad. that one was so eloquent. But I have to ask the second one because I'm going to get some hate if I don't. Okay, no hate. Work for the entity that is stacked. Yes. I just need to know what made by Memphis or just Memphian born artist. What song is on your playlist? Like any fave playlist. It can be any song. I know it's so I like. I, I screamed a little. Okay. <laughs> That is it's hard. Much, that is much harder than but I know it like sounds. Just a musician. Just a musician. Like, yeah, talk. like I, I, I have to ask because we will get. I will get a note that's like you had this person on from Stacks and you asked and nothing. You didn't ask. Yeah. Because you don't want to do that. No. Okay. For my benefit, I need you to tell no. me. 
Okay. Um, Memphis musician that I love, I love, I yeah. love. Or they just have a tie to Memphis, They have too. a tie, yeah. some sort of connection. Okay, it's coming to me. I am going to say... I'm going to say Isaac Hayes. Uh, I said it. I said it, and I said it. Um, She's like, I said what I said. (laughs) Um, um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Isaac Hayes. Um, The love I have for him is real. The ability to create. I always think of like how qualified are you, right? When I think Mm -hmm. of myself walking into rooms, I think of the opportunity he was given to create when Stax lost his catalog. Um, and he came from behind the scenes as a writer and absolutely emerged and wow. didn't just emerge like straight up superstar status. Um, I mean, Academy Award, let's be serious. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't win again until three, six mafia. Hello, another Memphis. Yeah. Club there. <laughs> and so it's knowing your history, but knowing like how these people were absolutely Correct. a part of it, but like shaping it and like still impacting it. And we're going to highlight Isaac in May, Memphis in May, because he's an honorary Ghanaian King. Like, let's be serious. So like, it's royalty. It's life. It's <laughs> he's every single thing that you that you think of when you think of what you can possibly accomplish. What's what's out there for you? Like what ceiling? What ceiling? Right. Like aim for the absolute stars. And so Isaac is like that star that we aim for. You so. just pivoted that simple question into like the best <laughs> response I've gotten. So I think that is great, guys. You heard it here first. Also lovely, lovely answer to what being a Memphian means Thank to you, you because I agree. I think that's just a great way to end. So thank you for being here with us. And thank y'all. you, Kimberly. We'll you it was so good later. to see you. Thank, thank you so y'all. much. Bye. All right, guys, that does it for today's show. I just had such a good, good time on today's show. I know that we say it all the time. I'm a weirdo who just is obsessed with all things love and Valentine's Day. And this month is just such a big month all the way around for so many different elevations of causes so um it was so wonderful to have a representative here today from stacks and then also the american heart association because two very very important causes in our city and two very important things to uplift so before i let you go today we have a couple of end of show announcements um if you learned a lot today about memphis you did about stacks did you know all of that you learned maybe you did maybe you didn't but it just goes to show there's tons of things about Memphis that you may or may not know. Did not mean to rhyme just then, but we're just going to keep rolling. We're going to go with it. <laughs> so on March 10th from 530 to 730 at the Memphis Museum of Science and History, a.k.a. the Mosh, you probably formerly know it as the Pink Palace, New Memphis is bringing an event that we know everyone loves called Memphis 101 that is generously sponsored by Regional One Health. So if by chance you have never been to a Memphis 101, you've never heard of it, What is it? I'm sure you're asking. So Memphis 101 is a high energy course offering up just a really close up view into Memphis. And it's looking at its people and the historical impact that Memphis has had worldwide on music, culture, politics, and so much more. It's really a history lesson, but make it fun and interactive. And you get to tour and walk around the great new Pink Palace, aka the Mosh. Um, So you don't really have anything to lose. There's no reason you shouldn't come. We, of course, will have some COVID-19 protocols in place to make everyone feel safe because it is indoors. Um, So masks will be required uh, for everyone's safety. But where can you learn more about it? Where can you get tickets? So easy. Head on over to newmemphis.org slash events. It's the first event of the year for us. That's for the community. So we are very excited to bring it to you. And you guys, if you've never been, Please come. If you're a new Memphian, 
you need to come to learn some things. If you are a Memphian that's tried and true, you've been here for a while, I promise you I listen to this presentation and I still learn something new every time. And I've heard it a lot at this point working for New Memphis. So again, head on over to newmemphis.org slash events and scoop up your tickets. Okay, I'm going to do a few little plugs for New Memphis now. So we are still in the thick of recruitment season, specifically our fellows program that is geared toward mere career professionals. But we are always accepting applications on a rolling basis for all of our leadership development. That includes LDI, Embark, and Accelerate, as well as fellows. So you can find out more about that at newmemphis.org along with everything else. And you know where else you can find out about things? On our social media channel. So if you're not following us, you need to really get on that. Follow us at The New Memphis. We post a lot of instant highlights on Instagram. That's probably your best bet. But we're also on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook as well. So give us a follow. Head over to the website. Again, it's at The New Memphis and newmemphis.org. And I will see you guys next week for another brand new episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. So it's been fun. Bye. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.